Thank you for connecting to this podcast for Faith Renewed. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. All right, let's open our Bibles, Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Psalm 138. The Bible says this in... Uh, 138 verse 1, it says, I'll praise you with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. And you have magnified your word above all your name. In the Passion's translation, verse 1 says, I thank you, Lord. And with all the passion of my heart, I worship you. In verse 2, it says, for the promises of your word and the fame of your name have been magnified above all else. David's opening the psalm in a, in a worship, heart, worshipful heart, man. He's coming from a place of just honoring God and thanking God for all he's done. And, and so it's where we're going to stay this morning for the most part in this first portion of Scripture is to just see how we begin to worship God and how we begin to honor God and who we are and what we're about and the things that we do. Um, how many of you in here, you made a New Year's resolution? Anybody make a New Year's resolution? Um, if you did, have you already... Has it already been messed up? Yeah, typical, right? What happens, man, a lot of times is um, New Year's resolutions typically come from, uh, you know, we make a resolution like, hey, I'm going to get in better shape. Like, I'm going to, um, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go to the gym every day. And, uh, and then a lot of times, like the mindset of people, like the first week, January 1, like they start going to the gym. And uh, they become Lance Armstrong day one on that little bike, you know, and they're like going to town. And before too long, like the next week, you know, they go to wake up and they're like, man, I can't keep doing this. You know, and it's because there's steps into getting your body in shape to make it to that point. But I think a lot of times we do that as Christians, right? We give our life to, life to Jesus. We come, we pour out our heart in this altar. We receive Christ. And we jump into this thing, man, gung-ho, like we're on it 100%. And then we get to a place where we feel like we're in a drought. So I'm talking to you this morning, and maybe, maybe you're in a place as a Christian where your Christian walk is, has been dull, or maybe you're just bored. Like, it's possible. The enemy can work some things in your life, and you as a Christian become, become bored in, in how you receive him, how you respond to him. And so we want to talk about that. We want to talk about not break, where we can break some cycles in our life and press on and press forward. And there's things that, that's in the psalm that, that is just magnified. I, I told Pastor Terry, man, he, he gave me what we had already spoken and said, hey, I'm giving you free reign, whatever, speak um, through these chapters or whatever. And I, and I told him, hey, I'm going to speak from this psalm. It was like Psalm 135. And, and I told him that until yesterday or last night, until, I don't know, it was late. It was in the morning, you know. Uh, this morning at about 2.30, 3.30 this morning, I finally finished up my message. And, and I thought, God, this is crazy. I have to be up just in a couple hours. And, and, but it changed completely what I was originally going to speak on. And so God has a word for us today. Um, and I believe that. I, I, think, I think as Christians, you know, we, we, what works best for us is sometimes like a structure, like seven ways to fulfill your life as a believer or, you know, seven steps or 12 steps or all these different things like workout plans, those work great for, you know, it's like the 90 day, you know, challenge or like, or like, hey, I'm going to stay in this for um, a month or whatever it may be. And you have these cycles and these challenges and you do them and they work so well. And, and we've tried to condense that a lot of times to Christianity, 
right? We try to create like a routine. We try to create a routine so we can grow in God. So we're saying like, hey, uh, we're going to get in our word today. And tomorrow and the next day, we're going to set it up, 30-day challenge, man. Every morning, 7 a.m., I'm getting my word. And then at 8 a.m., I'm going to turn on worship music. And then, then I'm going to listen to a sermon at lunchtime. And I'm going to do all these things, right? We set up these routines like, like, we're gonna, like it's going to work for us. Like, you know what I'm talking about. And then what happens is, is, is something interrupts your day, and you miss that opportunity in that moment. And for you, you man, a lot of us, right, we, we feel like we missed it. Like, man, we just messed up. And we feel like, why do I even try to do anything? I always mess up this routine. Like, I can't get in. I'm never consistent. Like, this is horrible. And, I, and I've recognized a lot of times in people's lives, man, they're more faithful to the routine than they are to Jesus. And so what happens is, is when there's an interruption and perfection isn't reached, they begin to fight their own self. Like, I can't believe I messed up, and now I failed, and I can't carry on because I've ruined it. But when you put your trust in Jesus, you recognize, even when you get out of routine, like, God, I know that I missed this today, but it's not going to set me back. Like, God, I'm going to press forward, I'm going to move on, and I'm I'm going to pursue you. And so David, he's expressing in worship in this psalm, in the opening of 138, this declaration, like explaining that God is worthy to be praised because he is above all things. It's like a reminder, like, God, you are worthy to be praised because you are above all things that I could ever ask for. Like, God, you've done so many things. It's the perspective from David because he's continually and consistently pursued God in worship. It's his perspective. He's got it now. He sees God in a different light. He sees things. See, we, um, I begin to think about routines that we get in, like we get in, and, and when you get into a routine in life, and it continues to cycle, like uh, continually, like you just do the same things over and over and over, then you get to a place where your life is like the same stuff, the same junk, and it gets boring. And so there's, there's Christians, man, that sit in a relationship with Jesus that are bored, but it's because of a routine that you've stuck yourself in, right? And God's pursuing you in a way that's like, I want a relationship with you that is more valuable than the system to set you up. Like, I want to know you, and I want you to know me to the point where when it's challenging and times are stressful and things are hard, you can still have a perspective of me and worship me. Like, God wants you to draw that close to him that you know him that well. I, um, at one point, and by any means, this is a disclaimer, I, but I don't know why the Lord was showing me just through like working out and stuff, because I am obviously not uh, by any, don't take advice from me, all right, at all, like zero zilch, I, I, I'm not that way, but at one point in my life, you know, when I, when I played sports and I was dedicated, like committed, like woohoo, that's me, um, there was a time in my life where I would wake up at 4 a.m., I'd go to the gym. And I'd meet my brother, and, and, and we, would, we would work out together. And my brother, he's a, uh, he's a big guy. Like, he's very strong, very, uh, I always tell him he looks like a ninja turtle. Is this what he looks like? I, I don't know, it's kind of weird. But anyways, he's a big guy. And so it was cool, man. We'd go to the gym together, and I'd meet him, and he'd be working out, you know. And, um, and, and so he was, like, well-respected in the gym. And, and so people knew, like, oh, we got to get off this machine. Like, it's his turn. And he would always tell me, like, hey, you know, they never come, like, you know, he starts telling me about people, like, you know, that aren't normally there or whatever. It's funny. 
And it's because he spent so much time there. But I remember when we used to work out together that, um, that he would get to stages where he would say, man, I, man, I've hit a plateau, and I can't get over this certain thing, or I can't do more than, than what I was doing before. And, and he would discuss um, this area of plateauing. And, and so the Lord was just showing me, and I, I started thinking about that, that there's a lot of Christians that are in churches that's been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years, and you're a plateaued Christian. And I started to realize, man, what, what a plateau is, and, and I began to look it up. It's the loss of strength, lack of motivation, and no progress. He would always tell me, man, my, my, my mental game is where I'm at. Like, I'm not able to overcome. I, I can't even push one more rep, even though my body can, feels like it can. I feel like I'm stuck. And when we begin to think about Christians that are plateaued, man, a lot of times it's, it feels like a loss of strength. It feels like a lack of motivation, no progress, right? You may find yourself, you sit in your seat today, and whether you gave your life to Christ yesterday or 30, 40, 50 years ago, it doesn't matter. God has something for you to bring you out of your plateau. He wants to do something in you. And so we're going to look at this in Psalm 138. In verse 3, the Bible says this. It says, In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. When they hear the words of your mouth, yes, they shall sing of the ways of of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. I want to ask you two questions, man. It's first, and I've already asked you, are you bored? Are you bored? Are you stale? Are you dull in your walk with God? And if so, when was the last time that you cried out to him? When was the last time that you truly just took your heart and said, God, I cry out to you to do something great? That's what David's doing in 138 verse 3. He says, in the day when I cried out, you answered me. First thing is this, is when we find ourselves in places, when we find ourselves in that dull moment in the stale relationship, like just doing church, like I'm going to come in, just sit in a seat, I'm going to take up a little bit of space, like I I don't really want to be here, but I'm going to come here, I don't know why, I'm just here. When we find ourselves in those situations where we feel like God is not doing anything in us, we've got to do this, the first thing, be reminded of the things God has answered for you. Be reminded of the things that God has answered for you. We see that in Psalms chapter 3. In the day when I cried out to you, you answered me. On the day that I cried out to you, you answered me. He's beginning to fuel his praise from a place of things that God has already done in him. You know, I, I don't know the, the, the context of where David was at in his life at this moment. In this exact time, what things have already happened or what things have already took place. But he's already got a perspective of God. That God, you've answered me, so I'm crying out to you in worship. That God, there's a heart in me that loves you. So be reminded of the things God has answered for you. Man, God has answered so many things for us. And sometimes we, we, we pull back and we're like, I don't know exactly what God has done. Or maybe I've forgotten what God has done for me. Man, he's protected you. He's healed you. He's saved you. And some things that he's done for you, you would have never known. Like some things that he's done, you, you never would know it. And God's going to reveal that one day. The way that he's, he's protected you and the way that he's trusted you and the way that he's used you, man. God has done so many things. And we have to remind ourselves. And so if you find your play, yourself at a place where you're like, I don't really know, like, ask God, like, God, show me a time, Lord, where you've stepped into my life and you've done something in me. Remind me of the things you've done. Remind me of, the, of how you've protected me and healed me. You know, when we remind ourselves of these things, what takes place is, is we don't have to think about worshiping God or celebrating who he is. It just happens. 
Like you'll literally be thinking like, God, you did that. And, and then there's this joy that's like, God, you do care about me. Like, God, you have protected me. I've talked to people, man, that don't know Jesus at all. And I've seen God's provision over their life. And sit back and watch it unfold. It's amazing. And they get to a place like, man, God actually did provide for me. And I didn't realize that it was him. And I feel so dirty and disgusting for shaming who he is. And I realize he's the one that's protected me. I've had those conversations with people. Because it's amazing when, when they see the glory of God just in their life. When they're reminded of it. Colossians three seventeen in the Passion says this. says, let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. It's constant. It's a constant praise, a constant worship. There's some of you, man, you've been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years, and, and when's the last time you truly praise God for what he's done for you? Maybe you need to remind yourself what he's done. Maybe you sit back and, and things aren't going the way that you planned and how you wanted it, and it's, it's not in the direction in which you would have it go. And you sit back and say, God, I don't understand, but Lord, I trust you. i got a new perspective of you because, God, I've seen that you have protected me, you've healed me, and you've brought me through. Paul tells Timothy this in 1 Timothy Chapter uh, 4, verse 12, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Man, we take this verse and we use the context of like, hey, young people, you're meant to stand up and lead a generation. And I believe they are. That's why I play a part in their life. I'm thankful for it. But Paul's being transparent to Timothy saying, be an example. Be an example of me. Be an example of Jesus. You know, Paul tells him, man, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because he had a life that was dedicated like, Jesus, I'm sold out for you. And so we begin to be an example. He's saying, hey, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to be an example. It means that you're, you're going to live your life in word and in conduct and in love and in spirit and faith and in purity. I'm going to make these decisions to live this way. I mean, God is so good. God is so good in his ways and, and how he does things for us. You know, I begin to think about Jesus and when he walked this earth and I begin to think about the, the Christian today, like who we are. I've heard terms of uh, like American church and Western culture and, and the American Christian and the Bible Belt Christian and all this stuff. Like we've created terms because we've placed God in a box, right? Like we've created terms of things. Like no one this morning had to wake up and say, Lord, lead me to faith renewed in the name of Jesus. Like show me Holy Spirit. But there are people in China who do. And they go, the Holy Spirit leads them to a place, man. Some of you wouldn't have made it today if you had to. Um, this is the truth, it's reality, because we have to begin to hear God and respond to him and know him and know what he's about because he, he loves us that much. I don't want to miss those opportunities, but it is a reflection in our life. I think about Jesus, man, I think the way he lived. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, we know that he was tempted in every way that we were, that we are, and ever will be. You know, we know that, that I think sometimes people misthink, like, oh, there's no way, like, Jesus could understand what it, what it feels like to have a child running. Like, Jesus could never understand what it feels like to have, have, have a child that has gone astray and is living a life. Think about all the children Jesus has right now that is running, that is gone, that seems lost. Think about all the marriage, like, man, I, I, but God, there's no way that Jesus could understand what it feels like when my marriage is, like, falling apart and in chains. Man, think about the bride of Christ and, 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 man, how there's been a neglect there in the relationship of marriage. 
Man, we can begin to look at things and we can begin to see. Man, Jesus knows all about it. Man, Jesus walked this earth, man. You know, he wasn't a depressed being. He didn't, he didn't walk this earth with, with sadness and sorrow. He didn't walk this place. There was times when Jesus was sad and wept. He had emotions, but the, he didn't stay there. He didn't stay and remain in that place. And, and so when, when, when Paul is telling Timothy, man, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. Be an example. You know, I think about Christians, and I think about the way that we live and the way that we represent Jesus. And if we're to be an example, an example of Christ, and we constantly walk in our life in, in depression and we walk in, in, in darkness, it's, it's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there. It's, it's not okay to remain there because the Lord has something for you, and he wants to bring you out of that dark place. But sometimes it comes with reminding yourself of what he's already done. Sometimes you have nothing to draw from but what he has already done in you. And so we pull from there, like, God, show me what you have for me. In Isaiah 41, in verse 10, it says, in verse 10, Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God, and I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that he's going to protect you. He's going to fight for you, that he's with you. And, and he's already done those things, right? He's already done some things in our life that, man, we have to recognize and say, Jesus, I grab a hold of who you are and all that you've already done. And, God, I'm going to rely on the strength of you in me. And, God, I'm going to pull from that. Psalm 138, and verse 6, let's stay there. It says this in verse 6, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Second thing this morning is this, is God is able to come to those who recognize the need for him. We're going to stay here just for a moment because this is actually a tough word to understand and to begin to speak. And Because sometimes we don't want to put ourselves in this position, but the reality is some of us are here. Like some of you sit in this room today, and in you, there's a feeling like you're emotionless. There's a feeling of maybe you come in today and, and you're just blended in, like you're just a part of the church, like you're just here, you know, like you come in, you felt depressed, or you felt angry, or upset, or you felt hurt, and you have all these emotions and these feelings, like you, you came in, and maybe maybe you, you came with someone, so you had no other choice because you said yes to them, so you're sitting here, and you're like, man, I'm miserable, I mean, it's reality, some of us sit in this room, and we're that way, I mean, you can lie to yourself, but but think about how you, you felt when you come in or your motivation to even get here and begin to assess, man, what's going on in my life. And I think sometimes we see this a lot of times from, from past generations, man, that it's like that's come and, and, and into the church and, and been a part of the body for so long, and then they think there's an age that they've reached, like, hey, I'm just going to sit back and let everybody else do this thing and, and give everyone else a chance, like, the truth is, man, we need you in the body. Like, you're important. Like, you're valuable. Like, you ha- you're golden to the kingdom of God. But you have to begin to recognize if you are making yourself available to receive him. Because sometimes we place this pride thing up. And we're like, and, and I'm guilty of it myself. I'm standing here telling you. Like, I'm going to be as transparent as possible right now. Because there's messages that are given. And I'm like, man, God, I cannot respond to this altar call. Like, do you realize I'm the student pastor here? And, like, there's parents that are in this room. And what will they think? Like, their child's youth pastor is going through something, right? 
Come on, I mean, reality, there's some of you, man, you sit back in, in your seat and, and there's a call to, to go. And you feel it, man. You feel it in your heart like, I've got to respond to God. And then something tells you, but oh, no, you're too old. Like, you've been in church a long time. Like People will look at you and, and judge you. Like, what are you thinking? Like, why would you do that? It's an embarrassment. That's reality. The enemy speaks those little things because some of us are just, you know, too cool, man. Like, we've got it together. Like, our life is actually on the right path, and, and so therefore I don't need to respond. That's not true. And I think we've seen that. I think we've seen that a lot in ministry and through church and through bodies. And God wants to break down that prideful barrier that's been placed up in your life. Because he's saying, man, if you don't recognize the need for me, I can't come to you. He's saying those that are prideful, man, I'm far off from because I have no way to get in. I have no way to be received. And the Lord wants to break the heart and humble who you are and recognize, man, you are not your own Savior. Like I may know, I may think I know the best route for my life. Like, like, God, I'm going to lay my life out and the stepping stones and the order in which I want to go, and I'm just going to start going. Some of us want to do that. And then when, the, when it's opposed, when it's like when, when the ground gets a little shaky and things get a little crazy, but, but yet we still have things to hold us up. Like, like let me explain this. I think in one of the worst things, I think I very much recognize, especially in this generation coming up, like what is the need for Jesus if I'm not, stressed or like missing anything like like some people truly find security and salvation in finances right because money can buy a whole lot of stuff but the truth is man it, it can't buy your life for eternal being like it can't buy peace and comfort that the lord offers you it can't do those things and so when you recognize man that you have a choice and a decision to make financially like man God, I have all this planned out, and, and I have the money to do it, and I have the security in my life. Like, I have people around me that are going to support me and love me and uphold me. And God is saying, but I want you to go this direction. And, and that's when you recognize, God, how prideful am a person am I? Am I willing to step back and say, Jesus, I just want to follow you. Like, Jesus, I just want to go after you. He wants those people to come to him. But it starts with your heart saying, God, I'm drawing to you. And I think we see this in, in, in David, what he's singing out. He's saying, Lord, you have regards for the lowly, for those that, that aren't worried about all this tangible stuff, that, that not just the poor. God, God you're, worried. You, you're not worried, but God, you're after those who aren't prideful in their ways. You're after those who are humble in their heart and admit, man, I have weaknesses and I struggle and I mess up and I fail, but that's the reason I need Jesus, right? That's the reason that Jesus came. I think sometimes we use age, like, like age as the number, like that's the factor. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's actually very amazing. Like, we sit back and... and and people are like, but I, I, like I'm too old, right? Or like I've had young people, like I'm too young. Like it's incredible. Like we use age as an excuse, but it's not acceptable, right? It's not an acceptable excuse like we, we tell ourselves it is. 
But in the kingdom of God, it's not. It's not an acceptable thing. I, I've heard the term, like, uh, growing up, man, you hear, like, old people, like, hey, man, I'm, they're stuck in their ways, right? And that's not always a bad thing. Like, I think in, in some ways, if we're not stuck in our ways in some areas, man, we get trampled on and, and, and we have to begin to tolerate some things. I think we've seen that in our society. We've seen that in this world. So I think that it's not always a bad thing to be stuck in your ways, but it's not okay to be stuck in your ways in your walk with Jesus. Like, it's not okay to be content, complacent. Like, it's not okay to just, hey, come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and, and just do the Christian thing. Like, that's not okay anymore. Like, people are dying and going to hell. People have disease and sickness, and you have a solution for it. Like, you have an answer. And so it's like, God, I recognize I come to you, and I need you, and God, I'm going to go out, I'm going to share what you're doing in me. And I'm not going to be afraid to admit it. I'm not going to have too much pride. I think we do that. And I think we see that, man. God draws to those who need for him. If we're too prideful to admit it, you'll miss him every time. In Psalm 31, verse 14, the Bible says this, But as for me, I trust you. O Lord, I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. You know, sometimes we have to recognize that God just wants to embrace us. And I think that's what we see in the psalm, like David singing out, like, God, God, I, I need you. Like, God, I'm weak without you. Like, God, I'm not complete when you're not in me, God, that, 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 that I, I can't do anything without you, Lord. I think we have to come to that place. But I think sometimes we've created an image, going back to the, to the first point and to the first section, just for a moment. I think we get to a moment when we don't reach perfection, we quit. Like, when we don't complete it, we feel like we've damaged it. It's no longer good. It's no longer valuable. It's no longer like I should go after it. I should just quit what I'm doing. The enemy wants to speak that into your life. For one second, man, he wants you to believe just that tiny lie. Like, hey, you're not good enough. You don't know enough. You're too old. You're too young. You're too stuck in your ways. You don't understand. You'll never hear the voice of God. You'll never understand what Jesus is doing. You'll never have as much wisdom as your pastors. You'll never have the revelation they receive. Man, those are all lies that the enemy wants to speak to you. Why? Because if you begin to pursue those things, you know the enemy, man. I said this a few weeks ago. You know why the enemy begins to fight you and battle you more when you start pursuing God greater, it's not because of you at all. It's because he sees Jesus in you. He sees something in you that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's actually going to begin to trample on some of my ground. That's actually going to begin to defeat me and, and take back what's been stolen, and it's going to restore what has been dis destructed, and, and it's going to begin to complete what I, what I don't want completed. Like, the enemy sees Jesus in you. But here's what happens, man. We, we live our life for Christ, man. We give it to God, you know, two weeks in, and then we, we're battled with temptation, right? Perfection's not reached, right? So things aren't going the way that, like, hey, God, I thought this was going to be easy peasy. I thought things were going to go well. I, think, I thought things were going to go good. Like, I thought that we were here, and then we're faced with some resistance. And boom, we give in. And you're like, why does the enemy always battle me? this way like why do I always struggle with the same thing it's because as a Christian for 10 20 30 40 years you've struggled with the same stuff and he knows what keeps you quiet he knows what'll keep you in your seat he knows what'll what'll pierce you down and leave you right where you're at he knows 
And so he's just going to keep coming after you and battling and battling. And what we try to do in our mind, it goes back to us trying to create plans for us, man. We logistically try to create a plan in our life that says, hey, we're going to make it through this because we're going to do this step, this step, this step. And Jesus is like, man, why don't you just come to me? Like, why don't you just let my hand, my strength, wrap, embrace who you are, and then begin to fight battles for you? Like, why don't you just start there? That's what God wants us to do. You know what? And and, in the moments that we feel like we're failing, the moments we feel emotionless, discouraged, depressed, like the moments that we feel down and droughted out, and the moments that we feel like, man, we're just sitting here taking up seat, like the moment that we feel like, hey, we're just going to blend in, like, we recognize, like, God, remind me the things that you've done to me, how you've answered me. And, God, let me no longer be prideful, God. Let me receive the fullness of who you are. First John, in chapter 5, verse 14, the Bible says this. says, now this is the confidence that we have in, in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we asked of him. That means, man, we can ask God, and we begin to go to him, ask him to do things, he'll do it. You know, this is amazing. Over, I wasn't going to go into this, and, and I did first service. So I got to go there again and just share some testimony because I love it. It builds faith in people. It makes things actual possible. When you start accessing God, you're like, God, begin to do some things. But here's, I feel like I've seen this so much in ministry, man. You see a lot of people that, that go to God and say, God, like, God, what can I actually do? In, in your name. Like, God, how, what can I do in your name? And, and the Lord wants to take us and, and say, hey, God, what can you do with my life? Like, why, we take God's name and we, we sometimes abuse it like we prostitute it out. Like, hey, Jesus, we're going to call on you when we need you, like when it works and when the timing is right and when things seem right. Instead of saying, God, here's my life. And like, God, just use me whenever. Like, God, I don't want to just use your name, God. I want you to use me. And God, I want to walk in your, in your ways, and I want to do what you've called me to do. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, man, over the, actually January, the month of January, I think we saw like five legs grow in this church, which is like crazy. And you sit back and you're like, man, that seems a little nuts. Like, yes, it is. Every time. I'm never surprised. Like, I, it always happens. I look down, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. This is nuts. It's insane. We turn back, man. Uh, Pastor Andrew, he's here with us this morning. Thankful for him, man. He gave an amazing word there, a transition. So thankful for breakthrough and what God's going to do today. But me and him, man, we went on this adventure not long ago, and, and, and if you know me, been a part of ministry, you're like, I, I'm at the place where I'm not afraid to miss it, because I realize, man, there's breakthrough for people's lives when you just bring what is dark to light. Like, when you just listen to the voice of God, what he's speaking to, and you respond to it for other people, man, they receive something, and it will change, it could change their life. And it's, it's to think, like, but what if I'm wrong? Okay, I damaged my pride a little bit, right? Like, oh, I feel like, okay, now I feel like a little awkward. It puts me in a weird situation. Some people literally don't respond to God because they feel like it's going to make me feel awkward. Or what if I'm wrong? Or what if I say something that sounds stupid? And I want to ask you, like, but what if you don't? Like, what if you don't sound stupid? Like, what if you are right? Like, what if what, if it, what God's speaking is real? Like, what what's going to happen then, right? So we go, man. We went to a... We went to the, the Haywood Mall, and we were like, we're going we're gonna to walk around. We're going to pray for people. We're just going to see, like, God do some crazy stuff, and we're going to record some of this and, and see what God has for us just to, just to take and show people, like, it's possible, man. It's possible just to go, like, ordinary places and let God do extraordinary things, like see God do something amazing. 
And so we go, and, and the, oh, the mall was slam-packed. Like, literally, there was people everywhere. And uh, so we stopped at the food court. And I just have to say, man, if you don't order Japanese or Chinese at the, the mall, like, you need to be in the altar before you leave today. Because no one goes to the food court and doesn't try. Like, sometimes I don't even stop to eat, but I still go try the, okay, sorry, <laughs> little bunny trail. Anyway, MSG, right? woo Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, don't let me tell you how to work out either, you know. Eating right, nothing. But what happened was we went to the food court. We ordered food. We sat down. We ate. And it was amazing. It was good. I don't even remember what we had, but it was one of those. Japanese or Chinese food. It was so good. We get done. We get out of our seat, and we're going. We're like, hey, let's just go walk the mall. Like, let's just go find people to pray with. Like, doesn't matter. Like, sometimes we go, and it's like we're just going to look for people that have cast or wheelchairs or whatever. We're just going to pray for people, right? And so... um, so we get out of our seat, and there's a, a table behind us, and they stop us, and they're like, hey, are you guys brothers? <laughs> I was like, man, I don't look Puerto Rican. Come on. Unbelievable. However, Pastor Andrew, man, he's like, well, we have different mothers, but the same father, right? And so, like, they start laughing, and he's like, man, Jesus, you know, that's our daddy, man. That's cool. So we just start talking with them. And here's what happened, man. If you know me, man, the Lord sometimes speaks to me. And, and I, I wanna, I'm going to go through this just for a moment because I feel like God had me share this for a reason. Is the, the, Lord, the voice of the Lord when he speaks to me, man, sometimes it's weird. Like, I don't even know how to explain it because sometimes it's words. And I begin to think about, like, like how God speaks to me. And there's literally like a dialogue sometimes just between me and God. And, and, and used to, I used to analyze, like, God, is that really you? And I would do it to the point, like, I knew what I was doing. I was doing it, like, God, is that you? God, is that you? God, is that you? I missed the opportunity because I spent too long asking God if it was him. And then one day I was reading the word, and, and the Bible man just came off the pages. It says, when he commissioned the disciples, the 12 and the 72, you know, when he sent them out, he's like, hey, go, heal the sick, cast out demons, provide for, for those, man, take the children and the, the widows, man, and, and, and invest in their lives. Like, I saw these things. And then the Lord just spoke to me and was like, why do you analyze that every time I speak to you about praying for someone's healing? Like, you've been spoken to 2,000 years ago to do it. And I start recognizing more and more, like, okay, I don't have to challenge if that's God. I already know it is. And so sometimes there's this dialogue between me and God, and, and some of you will be able to relate in this room. That's why I'm explaining it. Sometimes I hear my own voice speak to me. And I was like, God, so I asked God, like, God, why do I hear that? Like, why do I hear myself? Because sometimes I don't trust me. And God, was, God spoke to me. He's like, you don't know anyone's voice better than your own. Like, why would I speak to you through someone else? Like, why would I speak to you through a different voice? Like, you know your own voice. And so the Lord just begins to speak, and he's like, man, if it doesn't go against the word of God, begin to go for it, right? And so sometimes the Lord speaks to me that way. It's like this dialogue. And then sometimes I see images, and I see images a lot, and, and, and sometimes it's, it's interesting, man. I'll get back to the story in the mall in just a second. I was in downtown Atlanta one time, and, the, and I was talking to this guy. He had no I was a Christian, like not whatsoever. And I got this image of a bicycle, right? And I already, in my mind, am going to... <laughs> This is what I do. It's horrible. I hear God speak, right? I see this image, and then I'm like, I'm going to say it, but I'm going to come up with a plan to backpedal out of it. Like, if I'm rough, I'm like, hey, what does a bicycle mean to you? Like, this sounds like crazy. 
then if he's like, oh, I, nothing, then I'm going to be like, oh, I don't know why I just asked that. Like in my mind, that's what I tend to do, right? It's who we are. We're human beings. Like we're like real people. Like, and, and I want you to know this, this has nothing to do with me being a student pastor or in ministry period whatsoever. Like if you love Jesus, this is acceptable. Like you just go in, like God speak to me. I want to hear your voice. I want to respond to you, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to this guy and I say, man, does a bicycle like, mean anything to you like you on a bikes like collecting bikes or riding bikes you know he wasn't the most fit individual by any means but so it was kind of odd you know and he's like actually I've got brain damage from a bicycle accident I was like hey God so that's when it opened the door I was like man I believe in Jesus and he just gave me this image and I saw a bicycle I would have prayed for you you know it's amazing so we sit down we pray man it was incredible you know I could have overanalyzed him like God I'm not asking him about this bicycle right? And so, going back to the story, man, we were at the mall, and we get down, they ask us, you're your brothers, or whatever, we sit down, start having a conversation, and Pastor Andrew connected with this one lady that was sitting there, and the Lord was just using him to speak into her life. And then the Lord showed me an image. I saw two images. I saw a boy that was about my age, and I saw that he had passed away about a month ago. And I saw this older lady. She had passed away about a year ago. And I just knew that. I, I didn't know their names. I don't know anything about it. I just saw that in an image. And so I'm to the point in my life where it's like I don't care if I'm wrong because if I'm right, Lord, you're going to do a work in somebody's life. Like if I'm wrong, like, okay, God, I don't know how I missed it, but it doesn't matter. Like, God, I'm truthfully just trying to pursue you. I'm going after you. And so I just spoke it. I just said, hey, did y'all lose someone that was very close to you recently? And this girl just gets up from her seat and takes off running through the food court. Literally, like, around the side, in front of the restaurants, going out the door. And the other friend that was standing there, or sitting there, jumps out, takes off running after her and stops her. And there was another friend there, and, and we sat down and was like, well, we'll just wait. We'll just wait till she gets back. Like, God has something for her. And so it was, it was funny. Like, they brought her back. And come to find out, man, a month before, they had lost uh, one of their best friends. It was actually a part of their group, like they were in a, I can't go into too much detail, but they were a part of a, a group together. They lost him tragically, it was, it was crazy, and, and the lady, I began to explain, like I saw an image of a lady, and the girl who took off, she lost her mom a year prior. Man, it was a moment of deep healing that took place in the mall food court, where it's so loud, and things were taking place, and it was crazy, it was nuts. And so we sat back, and it was like, man, I could have been wrong. Like, God, I, like that was really, in, like, really real stuff. Like, God, like, you know, you don't want to be, you feel like, man, I, I, I don't want to be wrong because then I'm going to sound stupid. And then, but then God's like, but is that all you have to lose? Like, I'm losing a human being from eternal life with me. And you're worried about how you're going to feel? You're worried about the emotion? And God cares so much about people. He wants to, to reach them right where they're at in their life. But it, sometimes it comes through you being obedient to him. And the only way to get to that place is recognizing that you continually need him. That you continually have to come to him. There's things we didn't know, man. You, sometimes you, you meet people, you don't get to connect with them again. It just happens. But, but this, this girl, man, she reached back out. And she said, hey, I need, I need like counseling in my life. The same girl that was at the mall. And it was like, well, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't even remember how the, all the conversation went. But she began to express, and, and this had no dis, 
no mark at that table, no clue. But she was living a lifestyle of homosexuality. We had no idea. But you know what? God loved her so much, he was trying to reach in and show who he was, how much he cares, how deeply he wanted to heal the wounds that had been created, that he wanted to set apart her and do some, do a work in her. And so, man, it was amazing. We saw that. And, and so when we begin to see what, what God is doing, we begin to trust him and we recognize the need for uh, him to be in our life and we recognize that man we're not too prideful like God do a work in me then we'll allow him to speak to us and we'll allow our own mouths to open up and just share what God is doing even if we're in moments of despair even in moments of frustration last one I just share the story because it's so cool man God loves us so much uh, we were at a conference a few weeks ago and and uh, in the conference there was this girl there and the Lord laid her on my heart right and I was like God what do you have for her and so God showed me her dog, literally. I was like, God, why would you care about her dog? And so I felt, I'm not going to lie, I felt stupid. I thought I'm going to ask her about her dog, but I'm in front of all these people. And so I did. I was like, man, God cares about your dog. I don't know if your dog's sick, but he loves your dog, and, and he loves you, and he wants you to know he cares. And she just breaks down in tears, and she said, you won't believe this. Yesterday, we took our dog to the, like, the puppy ICU thing. And she starts to explain to us, like, like you won't believe this, like, like that's real, like my dog is sick and not doing well. And, and it was like, God cares about that. Like, and I begin to ask God, like, God, why? Like, why a dog? Like, why did you care? And he's like, because I care for her. Because I love her. Because I want to reach her right where she's at and the, what she's feeling and going through. I want her to know I'm with her. And for some of you, man, you've cut God off because of a prideful place of I don't have wounds. I don't hurt. I don't go through anything. I don't have struggles. I don't have temptations. I'm not battling. My family's okay. I've got it worked out. I've got a plan in place. We do that, and God just wants to reach in and say, but I know that's not true, and I love you. God wants to reach into you. He wants to speak to your heart. First John 5, the reason we can do these things and walk in the way with God is First John in five, verse, chapter 5, verse 14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Like God will say yes, man. He's looking forward to you saying yes. I'm going to ask the band to come around. And the, the third thing today in Psalms 138, in, in verse 7, it says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will per perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. The third thing today, and the last thing, last point is this, is God will perfect in you what the enemy has tried to defeat in you. God will perfect in you what the enemy has tried to defeat in you. And it starts with a place like, God, I recognize that I need you, God. I know you're a God of healing, of restoration, God, that you're a God of deliverance, that you're a God of encouragement, that you are a God that loves me so much that, God, I remind myself of those times and those things to revitalize in me. I recognize all the things that you've done. I'm reminded of what you're already doing. And, God, I'm going to trust in it. And then, God, I'm going to take it a step for, further. That, God, I'm going to begin to recognize that, it's, that my prideful self hasn't, I don't have it all figured out. And so, God, I'm stepping into relationship with you, recognizing that I need you. When that takes place, we get to this point. 
when that takes place, we humble our hearts and lay at the feet of Jesus. Say, God, do a work in me. God, do a work in me. When we see that, man, God will perfect what the enemy has tried to defeat in you. Some of you, man, you sit in this room today and you feel defeated. There's some of you, man, you feel defeated in who you are. Like you've been battling, you've been fighting. And you sit and you've been drained, man, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Like you feel like, feel like you can't carry on. Like you feel hurt. You feel abandoned, you feel lonely, and you sit in this place today, man, you've been a part of churches your whole life, or maybe you gave your life to Christ yesterday, man, it doesn't matter, but you sit here, maybe you feel that way. You know, it's not okay to stay there. It's okay to have emotion and feeling, and there's sometimes where we're battling, and I think sometimes we're, we're afraid to admit what we're actually going through, and God wants to do something about it. God wants to do something about it in your life. He wants to take you and heal you and mold you and mend you. He wants to do a new thing in you. But it starts with you saying yes to him. It starts with you recognizing him. I just share this just last portion of scripture in Luke chapter 10. To think about, man, I shared this weeks ago, but it says this in verse 38. It says, Luke chapter 10, this is... Um, I just want you to close your eyes across the room for a moment. I feel like the Lord is just wanting to do a work. And in our hearts, man, sometimes we close ourselves off to recognizing when God walks in the room. Sometimes we close our hearts to hearing God because, man, we have been so used to what we've been going through. We're so used to what we've been facing that, man, God wants to break through, but our own selves have been battling us. Tell us, no, man, we, why, how could you respond? You can't respond right now. Like, people will know. People will see you. They'll think different of you. Like, we tell ourselves that. You sit in this room and you're despaired. You sit in this room and you feel empty. You feel lonely. And you've been running and you've been fighting. You've been battling. And, and the Lord has something for you tonight, today. So thankful for him. So thankful for all that God's doing. And, and I believe that he's just getting started. I believe that he's just now starting to do some things that, that man, you start to realize the impossible things are possible when you just trust God. It becomes a normal life for you. But in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, it says this it says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. And Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. In verse 40, it says, But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guest. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. And the Lord answered her and said, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at the feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. 
Jesus went, man. He went and visited them. You have Mary, man. As soon as Jesus walked in the room, Mary was like, man, I'm going to him. I'm running after him, and I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to spend time with him. And you have Martha. She's like, no, 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 no. There's no time for that. we got to clean up. we got to get this place ready and prepared. You know what? Sometimes we work so hard. We miss when Jesus walks in the room. Sometimes we work so hard to make it seem so perfect, like our lives, like we try to clean things up and we try to make it acceptable. We try to do the right thing. We try to put things in their position so God will receive us. And Jesus is saying, come to my feet. Come to my feet. Spend time with me. You're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss it. Spend time with me. So I'm here for you. Across the room with every eye closed and every bowed out. I never want to miss an opportunity to give a call to salvation. If you're in this room this morning and you say, Pastor Chris, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I have to receive what you're speaking of. I need this in my life. I need to be reminded, man. I need to see God. I need to feel God. I need to hear God like I need Him in my life. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand across the room. Never want to miss this opportunity. Man, we're going to move on. So I feel like the Lord is, is speaking this morning. There's some of you in this room, man, you've been stuck in your ways. There's some of you in this room, man, you sit and you've, you've felt bored. You've felt dull. You've felt like, man, you can't carry on. Like Things have felt stale. you felt lonely and discouraged and depressed. And God wants to do a new thing in your life. And the truth is, man, I can't give an altar call that's gonna entice you to move. You already know the decision in your heart to do it. And so I wanna give a call. And I wanna ask you this, man, if this message is spoken to your life and you feel it compelling in your heart, and you're like, Pastor Chris, I've gotta respond. I want you to do this across the room. I just want you to lift your hand. Amen, I see your hands. I see your hands. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good, I'm gonna pray. I'm going to pray, and we're just going to ask God to move. And here's what I want you to do. If your hand was raised or you didn't raise your hand, but you know, man, I've got to move. Don't be too too prideful. Get out of your seat. Come to this altar and spend some time with Jesus because he wants to revive in you what he's began. He wants to finish what he started in you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome you in this place. That God, you're here with us. God, I pray for an evaluation of our heart that we look into all that you're doing. That God, we remind ourselves that we no longer become stale in you. That we no longer become bored. But God, we continue on out of complacency. God, you take us. God, out of contentment, you lift us up. And God, you're doing new things in us. So I declare right now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to just stand to your feet across the room. And if you lifted your hand or you know, man, I need to respond. Now's your opportunity to go. Don't hold back. Don't think, man. What, what are other people going to think of me? Because the enemy wants to keep you there. But if you need to respond out of your own heart, now's your chance. We want to pray with you. This has been a podcast of Pastor Chris Holman brought to you by Faith Renewed. For more information about us, please visit faithrenewed.org. For questions, feel free to contact us via email at info at faithrenewed.org.